0: Welcome to Lessons in Leadership. This is Steve Adubato. Yeah, it used to be called the Leadership Hour with Steve Adubato, and then everything changed. And now it's the Leadership Hour, Lessons in Leadership with Steve Adubato and
1: Mary Gamba. Said set in stereo.
0: Okay, so let me ask you a question. You always tell me you have no big ego, you were fine with it the way it was, and now all of a sudden your picture is on all the promotional stuff, you're the
1: co-host, And you like it. I do like it. And I didn't think I was going to like it. And seeing my picture there, seeing my name on the logo, it has a nice ring to it. So it wasn't something that I expected to happen, but I'm humbled by it and I do like it.
0: And you want to thank me for that. And
1: I would like to thank you and all of our generous sponsors and partners for giving us this opportunity to be able to do what we do, and we love it. By the
0: way, why don't you make it clear who some of the sponsors are? Our lead sponsor is New Jersey Resources. Our good friend Larry Downs, who had been the CEO there for many years, Larry just stepped down, but New Jersey Resources is the lead Sponsor and underwriter of what we do here on the Leadership Hour, but some of the others include
1: absolutely. So we've got R.W.J. Barnabas Health. We have Gibbons Law Firm. We were just talking on one of our other episodes to the great Patrick Dunnigan from Gibbons. We have Hackensack Meridian Health. We've got the Operating Engineers, who have been a great friend.
0: twenty-five Greg Lalovey.
1: Absolutely, and then we also have Prager Metis, which oh, is Prager one of our Metis yes,
0: international
1: absolutely. That is an yes. accounting
0: firm with a corporate
1: office, the main office in. I think their main office is in New York maybe but we're going to find out we're going to find you out know you why? know how we're going to find out tell me how Steve
0: um, by the way Mary's going to let everyone know how you find us not just on AM 970 every Sunday at 2pm but also our podcast was is going out to about 10,000 opinion leaders Absolutely. people who matter not that you all don't matter but you know
1: everyone matters
0: um, but Prager Metis is an interesting firm we've had a great relationship with them we do some executive coaching we had a leadership academy there we are proud to introduce not on the phone but in the house, in the studio, we have our good friend, Glenn Friedman, who is CEO of Prager Medis International.
2: Good to see you, Glenn. Great to see you, Steve, and tell, Mary. Tell everyone, now where is the corporate office? Our corporate office is located in <laughs> New York City, but I hate thinking of us as a New York-centric organization. Tell folks about the organization. Well, we're 16 offices, I like to say worldwide, from Chennai, India, to London, England. We have offices in Florida, California, we have a new office in McLean, Virginia, New Jersey, Connecticut, Westchester, Long Island, New York City, and Las Vegas, Nevada.
0: In fact, we had your colleague, Lori Roth, was with us on the Leadership Hour not too long ago, and that was fascinating as well, and we work with Lori as well. Let me jump right in. By the way, Mary and I always say that we love having our guests on Lessons in Leadership right here in the studio, so we appreciate Glenn coming in to do this your leadership approach your philosophy you and i've talked offline as well as in your office and we have a leadership academy that we're doing right now and in fact coaching people your leadership approach comes from where
2: you know it, it comes from where it's life it's frankly listening to people like steve adubato i like to believe i grab a lot from art more than business art art for example For example, one evening, my wife's a painter, and she's painting and painting all night long. I wake up to complete paintings. And one day I said to her, why do you paint in oil? And she said, well, that's easy, Glenn. Watercolor, once you put it on the paper, it is where it is. You can't move it, you can't work it. And for me, I relate everything to business. So I woke up that morning and I said, you know, business is not like watercolor, it's like oil paint, because you put it on the canvas and you can still work it. And in business, you need to be working it all the time. And you need to be moving it around until you get it right. And so I relate a lot to art. I relate what we do to performing arts because they're- Accounting? Accounting.
0: Hold on one second. This is Glenn Freeman talking about connection between accounting and performing arts. Go ahead.
2: Performing arts are collaborative. Art is collaborative. I believe what we do is collaborative. I believe it's collaborative with our team. It's collaborative with our clients. It's collaborative with our community.
0: Let's stay on this. We've worked with accountants for a few years and it's been a pleasure to work with Prager. I met us for the last couple of years. What about when people say accountants, they're into numbers, but we teach leadership. You want to develop leaders. You want to develop people who are good at business development and building relationships. Is it particularly hard sometimes to get people who have been trained academically, and you got to pass that CPA exam, right? on the numbers, on accounting, on auditing, to be real good on the human side of it? Glenn, is it particularly tough? It's a
2: challenge. My job is to put people in the best positions you can put them in, just like a coach. Okay. So there's a lot of parallels to running a team. And so some are great at numbers and some are great technicians and you need those and you want to put those in those positions. And some have great people skills. And The people that have great people skills you want to develop those and you want to find the steve Autobotos to help you develop those skills the people that have great technical skills you know what people think they can't talk no they can talk they can talk about the things they're passionate about right and that they have knowledge about so if you put them in front of the right audience boy they're going to talk and you're going to ask them questions and they're going to talk some more but
0: they told you i can't talk they
2: told you they can't talk
0: It's part of the job of a leader To see things in people that they don't even see in themselves.
2: Absolutely. And you got to bring it out. And that's exciting. And that's the creativity. And you know what? That's no different than a director. And that's where the art comes in.
0: It's interesting. Mary and I have this expression when we coach people. You have to learn to get comfortable being uncomfortable.
2: Does that mean anything to you, Glenn? (laughs) Well, you know, you live your day outside your comfort zone. What do you mean by that? Well, look, for a person like myself, I wasn't raised in an environment that I learned to lead, right? I had to learn to lead on my own. I'm a product of a New Jersey public school education. They don't teach leadership in public school. They don't even teach leadership in university. I mean, maybe there was a book, you know, a Steve Adubato book.
0: But hold on one second. We've had a lot of leaders, Glenn who said, well, in my family, I grew up, my father was this, my mother was that, I was expected to lead, I jumped in, and you're saying
2: that wasn't your world. No, I don't think it's your world. My father didn't run a company, so those things weren't discussed around my table. He didn't prepare me to to lead an organization. I had to learn it. And so, for a person like myself, it's a challenge every day, and I'm learning every day, and I'm absorbing every day, and I'm learning from the people around me every day. And it's exciting. And frankly, many of the sayings you hear in life, you know, if you want to talk about leadership or learning leadership, when you hear things like the buck stops here, right, all the way back to Harry S. Truman. That's right. That resonates as you go through this process of learning to be a leader because the days that I'm frustrated or upset or disappointed in my organization, there's only one person responsible for that ultimately, and that's myself.
0: Stay on this. See this book? By the way, Brian Brodeur and our team at East Main Media, we are going to be on video pretty soon. Absolutely. We're going to be taping this as not just a podcast and a radio show, but on video as well. You can't see me holding up this book that I've been reading that our clients and our friends at Local 825, operating engineers, our good friend Greg Lalovey, turned me on to this book. It's called Extreme Ownership, written by two Navy SEALs who are now doing leadership development. Hope they don't put us out of business. They are so good because extreme ownership... The basic premise, no excuses, nobody to blame, own it, every bit of it if you're the leader. Even when someone else on your team screws up, you put that person in that seat on the bus. So you're saying, Glenn,
2: that's on you. I own it. And you know what? If I'm expressing frustration with somebody, I'm really frustrated with myself. Because? Because? I either haven't communicated well enough, or I haven't set the bar or set the tone or explained what I, my requests were in a way that they could understand and deliver, or I have the wrong person in the wrong seat. Wow. And I need to respond to that.
0: Is it hard for you to acknowledge as a leader, even though you're trying to show confidence, that you screwed up?
2: It's hard to, to recognize it in yourself, let alone to other people. But look, we all screw up. And I always say that the only bad decision is no decision, is not making a decision. Leadership is about decisions. It's a string of decisions. If you can't make a decision, you can't lead. Yeah, And you're going to screw up. You're going to make some bad decisions.
0: You're listening to Glenn Friedman, who is the CEO of Prager Medis International. They have offices all over the place. We happen to go into the New York office to do our coaching and and leadership development there. Uh, We're with Mary Gamba, Brian Brodeur. We're coming to you from East Main Media, and Glenn was good enough to come in. Let me ask you this in the limited time we have, Glenn. The commitment to leadership development, the commitment to coaching the people, whether it's with us or any other firm that you bring in, you drove a lot of that. You reached out. You started the conversation. What about the organizations that say, we're not going to invest in leadership development. People
2: just develop on their own, you say. Well, for us, the key word there was invest, right? It's an investment. It's an investment in the future of the organization. If you want your organization to continue, then you need to invest in it. And whether that's in property and plant or equipment. In our organization, our greatest asset is our people. So if we're not going to put in money where our mouth is, so to speak, or reinvest in our people, the future of our organization is not bright. Quick
0: follow-up before I let you go. Something gets screwed up. Something goes wrong. An account is lost. That's revenue, speaking of money. Could you describe your leadership, philosophy, and approach when communicating to someone that they have screwed up while making it clear that you're not okay with it, but not demoralizing
2: them in the process. You know, that happened this week.
3: (laughs) 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 Happens all the time, right? Happens all the
2: time. First of all, I want to say that you lose an account it's not life and death, okay? What? It isn't life and death. Mary's
3: loving this
4: right now. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, Mary, we just lost
0: so-and-so.
2: Go ahead. You know, I mean, you get older and things happen, and. The loss of an account is not high on the list. You're right. It's
0: not life and death.
2: It's not life and death. But here's the deal. There are lessons in it. And what you really want to do is find out why you lost the account. Frankly, I want to find out what I did wrong. And you know what? In this case, we had resources that the person that lost the account didn't realize we had. And really, as upset as I was at this person for losing the account... I was more upset that somehow we did not communicate the resources that existed within our organization and the breakdown and failure of that, because had he known these resources existed, he may have been able to respond better to the reason we lost that account.
0: How do you make any adjustments moving forward, because that's what great teams do?
2: We've got to communicate better, and I did make some adjustments, and I did make sure that there are going to be people in that are going to be talking about those types of resources.
0: Good stuff. Hey, Glenn, listen, you came in. Admit this, you can't see us on video. You will be able to see us soon. If you could see us on video, Glenn Friedman brought in a sheet of paper. He's got notes on it. I never looked at these notes. I have no idea what he had on there. What's on there that we need to have a chance to share that's really important? Uh, that shows you this is totally
1: unrehearsed. Unrehearsed and unscripted. <laughs> what do
2: you got? Look at this guy. He just go went ahead. right off and my notes went out the window. But <laughs> it, you know what? In here, Steve sent me a question and he said, what's the greatest leadership challenge or obstacle? Go ahead. And I would say that the greatest challenge and or obstacle is change, right? As an organization, the challenge is change. It, it's happening all around you. It's happening at a faster pace than it ever happened. And the obstacle is we're an organization of people. And what do people hate the most? Change. Change.
1: Well, I have to jump in though. So what do you do as a leader? Hmm. What do you do to get people to buy into that change? What are you doing to get the younger? Because we talk about millennials all the time. So obviously change is a challenge. So just to flip the switch, what have you done to get people to embrace change and go with it.
2: So, as a leader, it's all in communication. You have to get buy-in, and you have to talk and talk and talk, and you have to demonstrate what it is you're talking about. And you have to send out articles and and give people books. You know, my wife loves to say this. She says, "The view only changes for the lead dog." Back up. This is.
3: I hold love on. these. Write I- that I'm going to write this down. The we have a view list of quotes.
2: Only changes for the lead dog. Okay, if you've ever gone dog sledding. You know, the guy in the front, man, he's got a beautiful view. Everybody behind him is looking at the dog in front of him. And if you really want to do your job as the person who can see in front of you, you have to communicate. You have to communicate what you see coming.
0: You can't assume other people see it as
2: well? They can't see it. If there's a branch in front of you, you got to be able to communicate that to the dog behind you.
0: How'd your wife get so smart?
1: I was just gonna say, we need to have your wife on the Leadership Hour. My
2: wife is an animal behaviorist and she's way smarter than I am.
1: Well, Steve happens to have two dogs that could probably use your wife's training. Right, Steve?
0: By the way, we need to get your wife on -on one-on-one. Yes, absolutely. Anything
1: else on that list
0: that we need to know about? Uh, you asked about. By the way, what he you keep saying? I asked about. We sent them an email that said, questions. be prepared for this. And then I just went another direction. Prepared, from, you know? This is Glenn Freeman <laughs> no. from Prager Medicine International with offices all over the place. Go ahead. Now, what do you got?
2: You sent me a question. What is the connection between relationship building and leadership?
0: You build relationships every day, you strengthen relationships every day.
2: But here's the one bridge go. Trust. Trust. Trusted advisor? trusted everything, your team has to trust you, your partners have to trust you, vendors have to trust you, you have to be a person of your word, if you say something good, bad or indifferent, you're going to live by it, and I'll tell you what, all the contracts in the world aren't as good as a handshake and a person that you can trust.
0: Someone says it's in the contract, you say?
2: I say, today, you'll probably never go to court over that contract, so you better trust the person you're dealing with.
0: Mary and I have this conversation all the time. We reach an agreement with a firm like yours or anyone else, and they'll ask for something that's, quote, outside of the contract. And we've always said, if you live by what's in that contract and what's not in the contract and say, well, excuse me, that's not in the contract. We have to charge you X more, whatever. If you do that every time, you will not have relationships that matter. And you have to be reasonable about it. But I got to tell you something. That's not how you built your firm. That's not how we built our firm. That's not how East Main Media and Brian, you and your team. We're having this conversation right now. I'm like, Brian, how much will that cost to do that? He goes, well, let's just figure it out. We'll work together. I'm like, that's why we have a relationship with them. Because he's going to do everything for free. I'm joking, Brian. That was purely a joke. Final comments. Words of wisdom from Glenn Freeman from Prager Medicine International. Words of wisdom. Go. Bring
2: passion to what you do
0: all there is folks every day mary and i were just saying mary was in a meeting we were in a meeting the other day we're not going to say who right with a top level executive in a major organization that we were talking about a leadership academy for them not an accounting firm and she goes i think that guy's asleep and there were 10 people in the room and he was going through the motions and we thought i didn't see him mary saw him she goes what's up with that guy glenn brings it he brings energy passion and it is an honor to have you in the studio for lessons in leadership on the Leadership Hour it is an honor to have a business and a personal relationship with you, and we greatly appreciate you coming in. Well done. Let's hear it for Glenn.
1: Oh, yeah, well, well golf
0: Thank you. Let's come back right after this on the Leadership Hour.
1: This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com.
0: This edition of the Steve Adubato Leadership Hour has been made possible by New Jersey Resources. Welcome back to Lessons in Leadership, part of the Leadership Hour. This is Steve Adubato with Mary Gamba. Mary Glenn Friedman, who came all the way in from Prager Metis International, came in to do this. Let's talk a little bit about communication. Most of the folks who joined us on this radio show podcast join us remotely, but Glenn came in. What's the difference from your point of view communicating, interacting, having a conversation with someone who's physically in the room, we do appreciate everyone who joins us remotely as well. What's the difference?
1: It's funny. I think there's pros and cons to each scenario. I think the pros of having somebody in here, you have the advantage of seeing body language, making eye contact, leaning in, listening. It definitely creates a more natural feel when that person's in the room. However, I feel sometimes if somebody's on the phone and we're listening on headphones and they're in whatever element they're in, sometimes they're more immediately comfortable they can be because they're just talking on a phone. They don't feel like they're being interviewed. I feel like the conversation sometimes just jumps right out. But it's the advantage of technology today that... Literally meetings at major companies are done via Skype and video conference nowadays. So I love the fact that when we do have people come in, it's great and you get that human interaction, but I think it's also great, as you said, when people dial in via phone.
0: Quick follow-up on this. Um, One of the things that Glenn said, we were talking about the challenge. We've talked about this a little bit before, but I wanna touch on this. And you and I talk about this a lot. Glenn was saying that he was heading off to where he was going and he was gonna try to chill and relax, but he said, I'm sorry I'm saying this out of school, but he said he's not the only one, only CEO, only leader who deals with this. He said, yeah, but it's hard to relax. For leaders, people who have responsibilities, pressures, budgets, people, deadlines, a changing marketplace around us, combined with technology and an iPhone that lives with you 24 7. you just came back from Lake what?
1: Mm-hmm. Lake Placid in okay. upstate New York. All right.
0: yes. I'm at the Jersey Shore hanging out. We love being down there. My phone's with me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm playing golf. I'm out. My phone's with me. Yep. Is it harder to, quote unquote, relax and detach as a leader or any professional? Is it harder today than ever before?
1: It's funny, I think that technology is a blessing and a curse. You and I have worked together 19, going on 20 years now, and when iPhones, I mean, there was Blackberries, and then before that you had to literally be at a computer or have your laptop with you in order to check in. I find myself being more relaxed when i'm away now when i know that my phone is you know by my side because if there is anything that's super urgent or super pressing work related that you could reach me that our team could reach me i can look at my email even as we're doing our show here today i take a look is there anything that really needs to be responded to right away it takes out that anxiety of what's happening of not because knowing? of not knowing i used to be more anxious before i had the ability to stay connected than I do now. And if you see it as, oh, I'm working, working, working when on vacation, then that is bad. But if you see it as, no, I'm connected, I'm available, if somebody needs me, it, it takes a lot of pressure off. It's not like, oh, somebody's gonna be scrambling looking for a number if you if you have a coaching client and you need to reach out and say, where's this number? I know I can be helpful, And but I also know those boundaries are respected if it's something that you can find yourself. This is
0: so interesting. Steve Adubato, Mary Gamba here at East Main Media. Studios with Brian Brodeur, our colleague. So we're doing this show in the fall of 2019. And toward the end of the summer, again, we try, everyone tries <clears throat> in the summer to catch up on their rest and their relaxation. I had taken a boat ride that I had been wanting to take all summer. Not because I love boats. It's because I said I want to take a boat ride down at the Barnegat Bay, down at the Jersey Shore. So we had a conference call that had to be scheduled and it was during a time that we may have gotten back or may not have gotten back. Trust me, there's a point to this. And I remember calling Mary at a certain point and saying, Mary, I don't think I'm gonna be back by that time and I frankly don't want that hanging around and I don't wanna do the call on a boat with other people, excuse me. Point being, you handled the meeting, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: handled it well as always. I got notes about the meeting If you needed me, you could have texted me and said, Steve, I know this was our plan, but we need you. Right. Right? But you didn't. But if you had, could have done it. Therefore, is it a conscious decision that leaders and any other professional has to make to say, I'm going to try to detach, but I know if it's really real, they can get me or believe, or is this the problem? Some people believe that every text, every email, every everything means I got to stop and deal with it. And so therefore you never detach and can never relax.
1: But that's part of leadership. A huge part of leadership for me and growing and maturing and becoming... An adult, and I mean that, you know, not just literally, but figuratively, is realizing that every text or email is not as urgent as you want to make it seem. You and I have talked about having a sense of urgency. Certain things, there's definitely a sense of urgency. We're having a problem with our phones yesterday that's still being resolved today in In our office. office. Mm
0: -hmm. I did not know that.
1: Oh, yes, you did. (laughs) Well, uh, the phone calls were dropping and we weren't sure. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we're having some difficulty dialing out. And, you know, to me, that is an urgent situation. So earlier today, I hopped on and said, where are we with? So this way, hopefully, by the time I get back to the office, even though we're here being productive, doing what we're doing, the people that are physically in the office are handling that. My point being, I find it to be as a good leader that you can separate you need to be present whether it's with family friends or just alone time which you're allowed to have as a leader or as a human being need to have exactly and you're allowed to have that time and you need to allow yourself to have it but you can't feel guilty if you're with your family on a vacation and you just need to take a few minutes to look at your email and honestly they don't care anyway because even though they enjoy being with you they enjoy their downtime and their downtime may mean hopping on their phone to text a friend or you know just watching tv for a few well, minutes hold on
0: for a second we were talking about this to Patrick Dunnegan from Gibbons and um, other leaders have talked about this as well. I wonder if it's going to be harder, and this is somewhat a philosophical abstract question. I wonder if it's going to be harder for younger people to detach and, and not see every text and every whatever ping as something they have to respond to.
1: I think it's going to be easier for them because they don't know any different. I think it was harder for our generation who literally we were alive when Internet was invented. I mean, that's and it's so crazy for kids to hear that and really believe it. They're like, wait, you know, there was a time when you used to send regular mail instead of an email. I remember when email happened, I'm like, what's this email, electronic (laughs) mail? What is it? And they laugh at me. And I said, no, you don't understand. It wasn't that easy. And I think because they've learned how to. Cope, survive, coexist. Now, well, just to finish the answer of that question, I do believe it's going to be easier for them because they to can. lead? No, not lead. We're not talking about leadership. It'll be easier for them to, to balance. chill and
0: relax? I think so. Really? I
1: really do. I really do. How the heck
0: do they do that if they're never present?
1: Um, because it, it may be different for them what it means to really be relaxed. For them being relaxed, maybe playing the latest app on the But on you're their with phone. other
0: people and you're playing an app.
1: Right, but we also cannot put what we believe to be relaxing. We can't say to them that that's their same. Things are changing, and that's okay. Our version of relaxing and working is different than our parents' version when they worked with their hands and got out there and pulled their sleeves up and got, you know. It's rude. Right.
0: It's rude. No,
1: but they, no. To
0: not marry. Yeah. For younger people Mm -hmm. who are having a hard time. Chilling and actually having a human conversation.
1: But that's two different things. You you just brought up work and then having a human conversation. I'm proud. I didn't say
0: work. I said relaxing and having a human conversation.
1: Oh, right, right, right. But I'm saying using your electronics for work or checking in or what have you. But I do believe that you do need to instill in your children that you're if you're at the dinner table or if you're sitting and you have people visiting, that they put the phones away and they have a conversation because they need to learn that. They're having that's, a hard time with it. They are having a hard time with it, but they do it and they do it well if you let them. They really do. All right. They do.
0: <sighs> this is the Leadership Hour. Steve Adubato, Mary Gamba, coming to you from East Maine Media. Uh, can, can, can we do this? I'm going to go back to uh, some quotes. Yes. Right? Uh, no, no, you know what? I'm going to try something else. Mary, you know how we we're Mary and I were talking about a bunch of different topics we could bring up? This is an interesting one. We talked about... Um, people reinventing themselves. Mm-hmm. And Patrick Donegan talked about this. Um, Glenn Friedman talked about this from Prager Metis. You have to reinvent yourself, you have to change. And you talked about Howard Stern uh, changing, rebranding, innovating. What mm-hmm. the heck does that have to do with leadership?
1: It has. It has everything to do with leadership. The world was changing around him and what the market was looking for. And he could have just thrown his hands up in the air and said, "You want to know what? I made enough money. I'm just gonna radio's
0: dead, and I'm radio out.
1: Radio's dead, and I'm out." But no, he said, "You want to know what? I'm going to try this serious thing and see, you know, what happens? a satellite radio, which again at the time was brand new. I mean, even to think of that is crazy. To think that it was brand new and now it's just such the norm. So he took a risk. He, you know, I still laugh every once in a while. He plays his initial um, pilot broadcast where they were testing out to see how the calls worked, and he's like, "Ah, yeah, just let's air it." And they re-air that a lot, and it's interesting because he's like joking like for my one listener in Illinois do you hear me and but it was so new and so especially for us again that are you know 40 and 50 and over it's a matter of embracing change and evolving with it and that was him rebranding himself and saying I can make the most of this or I could just say Nah, I'm done I'm just going to throw it in and look at how many lives he's touched you know uh, just being a, a broadcaster.
0: So, the connection between leadership and innovation, the need to be innovative, you're shaking your head, Brian Brodeur. Yeah, well, I got a quote sitting in front of me.
4: Oh, yeah. Oh, here we go with the
0: I leadership I forgot quotes. we had
1: Brian pull go quotes. Ahead. All right, we're ready, Brian. Quote,
0: innovation distinguishes between a leader and a follower. Comes from whom? Steve Jobs.
1: Oh, that wow. guy. Wow. Wow. And that is so true because innovation would not happen unless someone is leading, and it's so funny. I love how every year there is a buzzword, and innovation, I swear, if you go back a year ago, was not a word. Like, it was a word, of We're course. We're actually doing and,
0: a series uh, That on public television it's series.
1: innovation, yeah. it's, and it's, no, but it's not just us. Don't I'm make saying, fun of
0: us. We have a leadership, we have it, an innovation I'm series. I'm making
1: fun of the world. Oh, okay. I, every sign, it's like university innovation, and it's health innovation, it's cancer innovation. Everything now is innovation because it's creating something from nothing. Really, if you look up the word, it's innovating. It's thinking outside the box. It's being new. And you can only do that if you're a leader. So I, I love that quote. And that makes sense.
0: Which is so interesting to me. And, you know, we're, we're literally our production company is innovating as we speak. We're trying to figure out how to take. Listen, we've been partners with our, our friends at Public Broadcasting and PBS stations in New York at WNET and, New Jersey and, and NJTV, the great NJTV that started in July of 2011, and we're proud to, to be a small part of what happened in New Jersey because, to be awfully candid, the previous iteration of public broadcasting in New Jersey, otherwise known as NJN, New Jersey Network, uh, they were around for 40 years. They did not innovate per se, and they are about to go dark because government funding was drying up under the administration of Governor Chris Christie. And you were thinking, innovate, find a different model. No, we're going to stay the way we are, and no disrespect, because they did great work. They died, and NJTV was created. But the point is, we partner with all those PBS stations, NWHYY, as well as others. But if we don't create digital content, continue to create valuable digital content and distribute it in new and different ways for people that are receiving information on handheld devices and other devices other than, quote, television, we will die. Fair, Brian?
5: Yeah. Let me throw another quote at you. This is related, right? This goes back to the Greeks, but it was said to me by my dad, the great Norm Brodeur, (laughs) the only constant is change
0: evolve or die the only constant is change you can't stop it you can't hope it doesn't happen mm-hmm. you can't pull your you could pull your head out under the covers right
1: yeah you could kind and of a lot strategy of people do. is that it's not going to help it's not going to do good not a good strategy a lot of
0: people say but that's what i've been doing that's what you had me doing that's what i signed up for that was my job that's what my job description says and we say
1: Uh, No, it's just not a way to succeed in life, at work, or anywhere. You need to evolve.
0: And we're constantly, by the way, as we wrap up this show, we're constantly trying to talk to our team members about the fact that, yeah, that's the way it was, but that's not the way it is. So we can't be the way we've been. Sounds weird, right? Hey, listen, this has been the Leadership Hour. And I don't know for the rest of you, but for me, it's been therapy. For Mary Gamba, for Brian Brodeur from the team at East Main Media Studios. For our friends at AM 970, the answer, you check us out every Sunday at 2 p.m. where you listen listening to us on our podcast, which they can
1: find where, Mary, real quick? Uh, they can find it at Apple Podcast and Google Play.
0: Go to our website, stand-deliver.com. Find free articles, get my book, do what you want. All the best. Check out next time on The Leadership Hour.
1: This is Mary Gamba. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with State of Affairs with Steve Adubato, where we look at the most pressing issues facing the state of New Jersey.
0: This edition of the Steve Adubato Leadership Hour has been made possible by New Jersey Resources.
4: At Englewood Health, we believe that all citizens need to be informed about the health care issues that affect their lives. That's why we're proud to support important healthcare care programming produced by the Caucus Educational Corporation and their partners in public television. Funding for this edition of State of Affairs with Steve Adubato has been provided by NJIT, New Jersey Institute of Technology, the law firm of Gibbons PC, The Turl Fund, supporting right from the start NJ. International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. The New Jersey Education Association. Keystone Mountain Lakes Regional Council of Carpenters. Your future is in our building. And by Englewood Health. Promotional support provided by NJ Advance Media. And by Insider NJ.
0: Welcome to State of Affairs. I'm Steve Adubato. We are, in fact, coming to you from the NJTV studio. That's the Agnes Varis NJTV studio. Pleased to welcome Senator Steve Orojo, Republican from the 24th Legislative District. That would be Morris, Sussex and Warren County. Yes, it is. We've talked Good to you to many you, times. Steve. Good to see you, Senator. Let's get into the fiscal. If, I, if you had to give New Jersey's fiscal state, our yeah. fiscal state
6: a grade, what would it be? F. Come on. That was too quick. F. No, why? I, well, they, I, I, I got to tell the truth, right? Because one of the things is, is New Jersey hasn't had real honest discussions about where the real state of the state is for for many years. Now, our assets, are, I'll give it an A. But our So can we get to an A? Absolutely. And we've been at, a, at, at an A within the last... Call it tw-
0: 25 years. Okay, last couple, couple of years with um, Governor Murphy. He's great on the economy and the fiscal state of New Jersey. Don't, don't say F again. I won't, uh, I won't say F. No, I'm, you can say I what give, you want. No, but I'd be t- I'll
6: give, I agree. I, I'll I tell you what, i, I give him a, a D plus. What's right.
0: wrong about it, and then I will talk about what's right. Well, By the way, I, we'll give the governor an opportunity, not just to give himself a grade, but give the state sure, a grade. Sure. we we'll talk about his fiscal policies. We continue to work with the governor's team on trying to schedule that. Go ahead, But also Senator. the F goes way back.
6: For now, it's not just this administration. Democrats, goes, Republicans. Democrats, Republicans, you look right down and think Democrats, Republicans have, it's basically, that's the most bipartisan thing they've done, you know, down in, down in is, Trenton. It screw up our state it's finances. the finances because there wasn't an honest discussion of either what the debt levels were or we've had the discussion about the Transportation Trust Fund. Yep. And we're having the same discussion. I'm sure we'll talk about it. But the pension and well, the Let's healthcare. get right into it. Yeah.
0: In fact, we have Senate President Steve Sweeney. We're taping that program today as well. Uh, the Senate President is going to be talking about, quote, the Path to Progress report. Right. You were part of that. I was. What <laughs> is that report and why is it so relevant to the discussion we're having on the fiscal state of the state?
6: Well, fir- first of all, if Senator Sweeney had asked uh, Senator Sorrow and myself, Paul Sarlo, who will be right, out, right after right, this, interview. Right. he'll be coming in. He's uh, a good partner uh, on he's it. He's a Democrat,
0: you're a Republican.
6: Correct. He's, and he's the uh, chairman of the Senate Budget and Appropriations yes. Committee. And I'm the, the Republican member, member on, on, on the Republican side. Um, and what it was after, obviously, with the uh, Tax Reform Act that had come out, the, the uh, state and Excuse you know, me, you would be referring
0: reduction. to the Trump federal tax
6: yeah, the reform, Trump federal reform, reform. That, that came would
0: out. Um, only limit our. State and state deduction, tax income tax deduction, and our property tax deduction to ten thousand um, to a gentleman that you supported for president. Yeah,
6: ten grand in yeah. a state like New Jersey that yeah. hurt us. That no, that didn't hurt us. But at the same time, is it something that we have to bring our costs in, in, into control? Uh, that would be the argument from from that standpoint, and that's been on the plate for a long time. Top recommendation. Top recommendation is. Yeah, the 800-pound gorilla in the room happens to be the pension and, and health care costs. Of public employees. Of public employees. Now, it's it. No, we're it's making not progress, against, go ahead. We are... Small amounts, small amounts, we're making when we can progress. However, you know, um when you... Ta- and it's not against the, you know, employees or anything like this. If you look back, I said Republicans and Democrats. Uh, administrations over the past, you know, 25 years, ha- you know, have basically... It's, it's been debt spend and hide. Don't tell them about the situation. We won't make the con- we won't make the contribution. State contribution to the pension right. fund. But at the, or we'll take a pension holiday. And and quite frankly, they take the pension holiday. And government said, well, it'll help property taxes. By the way, be clear. A pension has,
0: holiday is not a holiday. It means the government's not going to put any money, money into in. the pension fund. Right. That's called a holiday. Yeah,
6: that well, some holiday. Well, that's how they talk about in, in, in government, right? They they're not putting money into the pension system, and they think, well, that'll help property taxes. All it did was get filled in with other programs. All it did it get filled in with other "quote unquote" services that everybody thought was really important. Property taxes didn't go down, and so now we've we've been dug into a real deep hole. So you know, was it the was it the employees' fault? There was uh, you know, in the public in, uh, unions, they acquiesced to many of these things. They went along with many of these actuarial change, which we can put people to sleep talking about actuarial change. The things. Communication
0: Workers of America who represent the largest number of state public right. employees, the New Jersey Education Association, an underwriter of public television, and, and what we do. really their
6: they, members. Okay, yeah.
0: No, but but they were part of this as well. Sure. They acquiesced, as you said.
6: Yeah. But you're saying it's not enough. None of this is enough. It's not. Well, first of all, the, the, if you take a look at how much, just to get that to where we should be putting 100% into what the actuaries say we have, we have another you know three years to go it's another three to four billion dollars. Senator, let me ask you
0: this uh, you, you, one of the areas that I know you want to talk about and important to us as well state school funding formula state right. provides dollars to public schools right which is based on a formula um, that impacts local property taxes as well. you've now tied this to the state to the school
6: lunch program and I don't get the connection well here's the, well first of all the school lunch program is, is run by the federal government by the Department of Agriculture. Uh, they just want to feed hungry children, and we, obviously we do too. The key to New Jersey is it um, connects to a major part of school funding. The free and reduced lunch program connects to is what people would consider. Those are the at-risk students, all right? Okay. And the at-risk students will get anywhere to, uh, say, $5,000 more per student in the formula itself, all right? So where maybe the lunch may cost two bucks if a parent has signed up for the free and reduced lunch, that school system's probably gonna get close to an additional $5,000 per student. Where's and the money what, going? Well, what happens is, many times, say say in my district, many parents think that there's a stigma associated, there's a pride factor, they won't apply. But in other areas, parts of the state, you've seen it in Elizabeth, that we've just said second time around. We had a problem there. We had a problem where people fraudulently applied uh, people who very know what the uh, you know the um, you know the reperca- repercussions were, uh, they applied, and their school was getting funding that they shouldn't have gotten. But do you make it sound like that's a widespread problem as opposed to an isolated situation in Elizabeth. Well, it is. Well, we, we don't know we don't know how big the problem is because here and this is really Go the ahead. controller did a report and showed that it, that it is the state controller. State controller did a report a bunch of years ago and said it is definitely a problem now. Under by law, if you even find you can only audit, and I'm a former auditor, three percent by federal law. So our recommendation, the Senate Republican recommendation, is this why don't we change it? We have no problem if there's at risk or low uh, income student, some of those are gonna need additional money. Why don't you fund it based upon something that can't be manipulated? Which is which is Title I funding, uh, which is based upon the census as opposed to a parent's application. Or somebody else's application. So therefore, you know, you still have the at risk. But that's that's how you should fund. it. Before I let you out of here, you a fan about President Trump's? I am. You look at the rec- you look at the record, you look at the stock market, you look at the economy, and so just I'm a financial advisor. That's what I do outside of the legislature. And when people have jobs, that's when they're the only other follow up to that. Respectfully,
0: Senator, you've always come with a certain demeanor, you right. conduct yourself a certain way, you're never involved in name-calling. Yeah. I don't even know if you're on Twitter. But the um, reality is this. Um, the tone and tenor of our discourse in the country and how the president's contributed to I, it. I don't, that I don't like. Okay. I, I,
6: I'm, I'm, it's not the on only On many one. sides. He's not the only one. On many sides, that I don't like. Don't I say on
0: many sides. That could be misinterpreted. But, very, um, that's but, in, but there are just, many people. But the president hasn't helped, in your view.
6: No, true. I mean, you know, quite frankly, I like the way Ronald Reagan did it. You know, Ronald Reagan was, was a gentleman. All the was, time. He was a gentleman, but he could he could tell somebody, you know, yeah, <laughs> tell I know where you go. Look forward to the <laughs> trip. This is public television. Uh, <laughs> I know. Uh, excuse me. Always oh, a gentleman.
0: Senator Steve sure. Orho from the 24th District Corner. Thank you for joining us on State Steve, of Affairs. Thank you very
6: much. My well pleasure. done, Senator. Thank, thank, thank you. you.
0: Stay with us. We'll be back with your colleague who you say you get along with, I but I we'll find Paul's out. A good friend. Senator Paul Sarlo right after this. Yes, we'll do that as well. We'll be right back.
4: To see more State of Affairs with Steve Adubato programs, visit us online at stateofaffairsnj.org. If you would like to express an opinion, email us at info at caucusnj.org. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PhD. And follow us on Twitter at steveadubato.
0: We are pleased to welcome State Senator Paul Sarlo, Deputy Majority Leader. Good
5: to see you, Senator. It's always great to be back with you, Steve.
0: Usually we talk about fiscal matters, and we will in just a moment, but do this. You have a background as a, an engineer? Civil engineer. You wrote a piece on NJ.com, Star-Ledger, the print side. You can, people can check it out. Here's one solution for Newark's lead-tainted water
5: misery. Go. Listen, this is just uh, where I'm at uh, on public infrastructure, water systems in particular. Uh, we have an aging infrastructure in New Jersey. And uh, many of these uh, are cash-strapped systems. Cities are cash-strapped. Um, it's very easy for elected officials and others to put investments in uh, surface improvements, parks, roadway paving, uh, and the underground infrastructure gets pushed to the side. Because you can't see it? can't see it. Uh, and that's not, no blame on anybody sitting in office today. This has been going on decades and decades, century-old problems. Newark is century-old problems. Um, Clearly, I believe one solution for Newark would be to look at their assets. They have some of the best reservoirs. They have great reservoirs. They have great treatment plants, and they have an amazing system of transmission mains that bring water from the reservoirs to the distribution system. Their problem, their distribution system, is what's failing. It's the lead service pipes. The only way you're going to do this is to dig up streets and remove the lead service pipes. Big money. Big money, but use those assets. Monetize those assets. Talk to private investors. Some of the best in the country are here in New Jersey. Allow them in. I know it's a politically tough decision, but it works in other parts of the country and it works in other parts of the state. It's a solution. They need to take a look at it. I
0: want to find out more about Senator Sarlo's uh, guest commentary on the StarLedgerNJ.com. Check it out. Fiscal matters. Um, the public employee pension situation, is it a crisis as we speak today? And by the way, make sure you check out our interview with State Senator President Steve Sweeney on this issue as well.
5: Go ahead. Is it a crisis? So, so it's not It's not a crisis as we sit here today. But clearly, we need to address the pension problem here in the state of New Jersey. Our state, uh, probably one of the worst in the country when it comes to—we've underfunded the pension system. The state
0: has contributed not enough money for a long period of time to the public employee pension situation. Bipartisan. Both sides By of the why the aisle. Senator Oroho, right before you, said we
5: call it a pension holiday. Where's the holiday? You're just not paying. That's right. And it's a bipartisan problem over the years. Governor Christie started to put real money into it. Governor Murphy has put real money into it. Not enough. We need to look at the structure. How do we fix the structural problems associated with the pension system?
0: By the way, not a solution
5: because there's no one. There's one thing that will improve the situation. Well one of the things we need to look at new folks coming into the pension system. How do we work with them? How do we look at other options whether it's 401k options or or, or other options? How do we look to work with them? Um, You need to continue to put money into the system. Uh, The state's got to pay their fair share of course, Um, but clearly we need to look at new folks coming in, mm. into the system, other alternatives to overburdening the system. There's people who've worked very hard. We have first responders, although the police and fire are now in a separate system. But we have, we've had state workers and, and teachers and others who work very hard in the state. They deserve that pension. So it's also an obligation for us to ensure the pension remains whole. Um, so do we have a crisis today? No. But Steve Sweeney is correct. We all need to work in a bipartisan manner to find multiple solutions of how do we fix this? The other part of that, the public employee um,
0: healthcare situation, health costs. Why, help us understand this, why are healthcare costs potentially going down what is being done in that regard?
5: So healthcare costs uh, another probably the the biggest driver of our budget. I, I've been on the budget committee now almost twenty years. You haven't been on, excuse
0: me, I didn't. He's been the chairman. I, I,
5: my was remiss. Senator Sarlo is the chair of the Senate Budget Committee. Go ahead. I, I've been the chairman now for nine plus years, and uh, every year when you look at the budget, the first thing that glares at you is the cost of health care here in the state of New Jersey. Um, to 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 Senator President Sweeney, to Governor Murphy, um, credit. We've started um, to look at ways. Uh, the speaker, as well, has just recently come speaker out. Speaker Coughlin. Speaker Coughlin has recently come out with some some ideas of um, how to uh, reduce the cost of health care. Um, it's it's it's, a, it's it has to be a compromise both on the employer side, the state government side, as well as the employee side. We do have some very rich Cadillac health plans that are out there um, that perhaps we need to uh, need to take a look at. Mm-hmm. And I also put a little bit on on Horizon Blue Cross, Blue Shield, they need to work with step up as well. Uh, A cost of a health care plan for a public employee in this state of New Jersey could be as high as $35,000. That is outrageous, quite Mm. frankly. There needs to be a way. We need to find the way to reduce the cost of a health care plan for our public employees. And you could do it without reducing their their coverage. That's the most important, is without reducing their coverage. There are ways to do this, but it's going to take... Um, it's going to take some people sitting at a table and, and working this out.
0: And since you mentioned Horizon, let's clarify this. Horizon is a big supporter, a significant supporter of NJTV News, as well as our production operation at the Caucus Educational Corporation. And we will ensure
5: that we give them an opportunity to share their perspective on this yeah. as well. And, and listen, they've been great, too. They've they've stepped up. These latest savings, uh, we've worked with them on t- of different ways, including... Uh, something that I recently sponsored a third-party administrator. I work very closely with their folks uh, doing some additional audits. So Horizon has begun to step up, and that's important. Let me try this.
0: Governor Murphy has argued that one of the keys to the fiscal health of the state and to provide tax fairness, I believe he refers to it as, you and I have talked about this before, increasing taxes on the wealthiest people in the state. Once you earn a million dollars, every dollar after a million dollars tax. You and your colleagues, the Democrats have stopped this. Republicans are against it by and large, but if the Democrats control the House, the Senate, and the governorship, why isn't that
5: being done? Listen, taxes should always be used as a last resort. Right? I think that's- The governor says
0: it's time for a last resort.
5: Right. Well, I don't believe we're there right now. Revenues, are, are, are revenues quite frankly, are, are strong. Uh, uh, are, we're, we're hitting our targets uh, in the current fiscal year. We hit our targets last year. Um, will there be a correction? Uh, I believe our economy is right now is on a on a major increase, and I think there will be a correction, especially with the presidential election coming up. Uh, what does are we that gonna have to do with it? Are we going to go to a recession? No, but are we going to go to a correction? Yeah, I think I think uh, the the president and, and our folks in Congress um, are giving us a much more rosier picture than 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 the, our economy really is. So, with that being said, uh, will there be a correction? Yes. Secondly, though, here in New Jersey. Um, I don't think we should pull the millionaire's tax uh, right this moment. It has to come at a point where we are in a crisis. First, reforms on the pension system, reduce the cost of a health care plan, and then if we need that as the final step, that's what we should do. It's a combination of the three. You just can't raise the revenues without reducing the cost of a health care plan and working Mm. with our friends I'm a big supporter of our public unions, working with our friends in the public unions on how we could help reform the pension system. Well, with 30 seconds on this. You understand municipal government more than most because of your background
0: as? I'm still the mayor of the borough of Woodridge. So here's my question. A
5: great town, by the
0: way. I, thank you for getting that plug in. But here's the question. What about those who say one of the other ways to save money is to force consolidation, the
5: mergers of different communities that are small? You say? Well, listen, we have, uh, we've talked about that. We're a big home rule state in New Jersey. Some towns do it better than others. Uh, we are doing a lot more shared services than you really believe at the local level. But that doesn't require merging, you're saying? Listen, there's, there's a lot more mergers we could do at the local level. There's no doubt about it. But home rule ain't cheap. Home rule is not cheap. I will tell you that. There are towns who do it better than others. Woodridge is one of them. Boy, you're you're big on getting
0: that plug in. Senator Paul Sarla, who's a deputy majority leader, also the chair of the Senate Budget Committee. They're dealing with a lot of dollars and cents issues that affect all of us. Thank you, Senator. Stay right there. Uh, We'll be right back on State of Affairs from the Agnes Varis NJTV studio right after this.
4: To see more State of Affairs with Steve Adubato programs, visit us online at stateofaffairsnj.org. If you would like to express an opinion, email us at info at caucusnj.org. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Steve Audubato PhD. And follow us on Twitter at Steve Audubato.
0: We are pleased to welcome Linda Bowden, who is New Jersey Regional President, PNC Bank, and also the chairwoman of New Jersey Chamber
3: of Commerce. Good to see you, Linda. You too, Steve, always. Make it clear what the chamber's role is. Uh, The Chamber's role, put very simply, is to ensure that the business environment in New Jersey is friendly, that there's a vital economy that indeed is able to enhance the business person's success.
0: What's standing in the way of the state being more, quote, business friendly?
3: You know, I think all states have issues, certainly, and New Jersey's not alone. Obviously, people talk about taxes. There's no question that we are one of the higher tax states. That does put a burden on our businesses, especially small business but what i would say is and the governor has said this repeatedly if you're a single issue voter if taxes are the only thing you care about maybe we're not necessarily the state for you but we feel as a state there are many other things we can offer from a business perspective the second thing i would say is workforce development you know what does that mean well you know steve being part of pnc bank we have many middle market customers and that really is the bread and butter of our state and when you go out and talk to these folks They will tell you that one of their greatest challenges is finding, not finding people, but finding people with the specific skills needed for their business. So what we're trying to do, and and I know the governor's leading this, Tom Bracken, our president. Tom Bracken, president of the state chamber. President of the state chamber. Michelle Sikirka from NJBIA. We've got some wonderful business leaders. What we're working hard to do is to ensure that there's a strong partnership between business and higher ed. So that our universities, our county colleges in particular, have the kinds of programs that will allow people to graduate with the kinds of skills our business people need. And if I could give you an example, I was just with one of our customers uh, really maybe two months ago, and they do uh, clips for machinery, huge business with this, 800 employees in the state of New Jersey, clearly a business we want to keep here. And I asked him point blank, how are you finding doing business here? What are the challenges? What are the good things? Obviously accessibility in the state is a big positive. People find this a very easy place to do business. Location matters. Location matters, transportation hub, et cetera. The thing that this this CEO mentioned, more than anything, he said, I can't find the kind of skilled labor I need to hire. I know there are people out there to hire, but I need very specific skills. And if the state could help me in training these people so they can come right on, there's less of a ramp-up time, that mm. would be huge for us. So I think that's a way we can differentiate ourselves.
0: I'm curious about this. By the way, uh, PNC an initiative, uh, Grow Up Great. Yes, for, yes, yes, yes. That yeah. we collaborate with, yeah. uh, focused on, let everybody know what Grow Up Grade is. It's just not just a it's, slogan.
3: It's Grow Up Grade, helping children five and under to grow up great. So we work hard to try and give them a head start so that, and this does have business implications, so they can grow up and be productive, contributing members of our community here in New Jersey.
0: Absolutely. Let me ask you this, Linda. Do you ever notice how people are divided in in this sense? Many people, not all. But they get focused on are you for big business or for business or against business, mm-hmm. as if...
3: It's mutually exclusive.
0: Well, also as if business are yeah. not employing people. Go ahead.
3: Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think there are, there are some circles where big business has become sort of a dirty word, but if you think about it and you strip this down to the bare essentials, it's all about the jobs. It's all about the jobs here in this state. We want to keep people. We want to attract
0: people. And we want them paying taxes and- on the Abs- income they're making th- with those
3: jobs. Absolutely, absolutely. So it, if you think about it, it can be a very productive cycle. We bring people in, give them jobs, they're paying taxes. Mm-hmm. That allows us to contribute to infrastructure, workforce development, and so forth. Let me
0: shift gears in the time we have left. You were on our uh, radio show on AM 970. Mm-hmm. We have a Leadership Hour radio show in which Linda talked about leadership and a range of issues. I asked you that there, I'm going to ask you it here. Being a great leader for a woman, in your view, and he, more challenging, difficult, different for a
3: guy. <laughs> Steve, you and I have talked over the past ten years uh, about this topic, and first I of still all... struggle with. it. I know, it, I, it. Had... I know. That's okay. I think, um, first of all, banking is a good field for women. But let's face it you look at the fortune 500 companies there are still very few women at the top and that number with denise campbell soup with denise morris and her departure that number went down even more so we still have a ways to go whether it's head of company whether it's board membership whether it's just being a very senior advisor so i think if you ask me what's the differentiator how can women get ahead i do think women bring a certain collaborative sense to the leadership role and you know studies are showing now that one of the most important aspects of being a leader is empathy now we didn't have that out there years ago but empathy understanding what your employees are going through ensuring that you're listening to your employees You know, i've said to you several times i'm a believer in values flowing down and ideas mm-hmm. flowing up we as leaders set the tone we really put the value set in place we model that behavior but you have to be open to ideas bubbling up and that's the way you can get better diversity is another aspect obviously I more sensitive
0: to the need for
3: it I you know I don't know that because I certainly work with many men who are very sensitive to it but let's face it we are diverse candidates women right now are still diverse candidates so maybe we can be a little bit more sensitive to what it's like to be the only one in the room what it's like to not necessarily have other people who look like you there so I think the more we can do to ensure that there's diversity across gender, race, thought, you know, that that ethnicity, the better off we'll be.
0: Leadership and empathy, very much linked together. Linda Bowden is not just the uh, New Jersey Regional President of PNC Bank, she's also the Chairwoman of uh, the New Jersey Chamber of Commerce. I Mm -hmm. want to thank you, Linda, for joining us.
3: Thank you, Steve, as always. Take
0: care. This is uh, State of Affairs. We want to continue the conversation. So... Please check me out, our whole team out, uh, at Steve Adubato. We'll keep the conversation going, and uh, hopefully we'll see you next week.
4: State of Affairs with Steve Adubato is a production of the Caucus Educational Corporation, celebrating over 30 years of broadcast excellence. Funding for this edition of State of Affairs with Steve Adubato has been provided by NJIT, the law firm of Gibbons PC, the Turrell Fund. Supporting right from the start, NJ. International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the New Jersey Education Association, Keystone Mountain Lakes Regional Council of Carpenters, Englewood Health. And by these public-spirited organizations, individuals, and associations committed to informing New Jersey citizens about the important issues facing the Garden State. And by Employers Association of New Jersey. Promotional support provided by NJ Advance Media and by Insider NJ.
2: Exactly.